Our scripture reading today for the sermon text is from Job chapter 42. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be from, withheld from you. You ask, who, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you, and therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourself seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Timonite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar the Nathamite went and did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. Then all of his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, <clears throat> 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, and of the second Kijah, and the name of the third Kiren Hapuk. In all the land there were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. And then from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23. Also there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices for his own sins and then for all the people? For this he did once for all, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, 
but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected forever. Our gospel reading this morning comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he is calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. This Sunday is our last week in the book of Job, which uh, from some of the comments that I've heard from some of you, uh, you're saying a quiet amen right now, or thanks be to God. Uh, because I know that Job is not exactly the most uplifting book in the Bible. It is a book that deals with suffering and with tragedy. But as Christians, sometimes we have to deal with those topics. Because those things are just as much a part of our lives as anybody else. But the difference is that our God is faithful, as we heard in the testimony this morning. And so that even as we face these difficult times, God is there with us. Not necessarily solving all of our problems, but He is present with us. And he is faithful to carry us through. We begin the story of Job just a few weeks ago when we heard that Job was a righteous, faithful, blameless man. A man who had been obedient to God, who had done all that God had asked of him. And as a result, God had blessed him tremendously. He was the greatest of the men of the East. He was wealthy beyond imagination. God had blessed him tremendously. But we find there in just the very beginning of Job that there's this conversation between God and Satan. This very strange conversation that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks where God almost seems to, to tempt Satan with Job. Saying, have you considered my servant Job? How righteous and blameless he is. And we've heard that Satan's response to God was, of course Job serves you. You've given him everything that he's ever asked for. But let's see if he still serves you even when times are tough. And so begins this cosmic test centered around Job to see whether or not he'll be faithful. And so Satan comes and allows all of Job's wealth to be taken away. He allows his family to be destroyed. He even inflicts painful boils on Job himself to see 
if Job will curse God, as his wife suggests, to curse God and die. Not only that, but Job has to endure the conversation of his three friends who come and sit with him. They come and sit with him during his suffering, but instead of being a comfort, they tell him over and over again that he is suffering because of some sin that he has committed. And that if he will only confess that sin, then his suffering will disappear. But Job defends his own righteousness. He continues to maintain that he is blameless, that he has done nothing to deserve what's happening to him. Job wants God to show up and explain himself to Job and to his friends to to let them know why it is that, that he's suffering in this way. And we heard last week that God does indeed show up. Although he, he doesn't exactly explain himself, he doesn't give a, a nice, neat formula to, to tell exactly why it is that this is happening. But he does show up and he, he asks Job some very hard questions. He says, who are you to be asking me this? Did you make all of this beautiful creation? And in the end, Job confesses right there in our sermon text this morning at the beginning of chapter 42. He confesses that he has spoken about something that he did not understand. That God is a mystery too great for him to comprehend. But here at the end of the story, things have an upside. The whole book is is not just suffering and trial. In the end, we hear that God restores Job in every way imaginable. He has ten more children, and so his family is restored. His wealth is double what it was before this time of trial, before Job's faithful obedience through his suffering. In fact, in addition to that, we even hear that God has Job's three friends come to him and has Job make sacrifices for them as a kind of symbol that Job's spiritual authority has been restored. And on top of that, Job's place of honor and status in the community is restored once again because we hear in verse 11 that those who had known Job previous to his suffering come and dine with him once again. They come and eat in his house and fellowship with him again. And so Job is restored in every way at the end of the story, even more than he was before. There is a certain pattern to the story of Job. It begins with Job being in this high, exalted, and lofty position with great wealth and great honor. But then through most of the book, he suffers this humiliation. He endures this trial and suffering. But he is obedient and faithful through that suffering, refusing to curse God. And as a result of his faithfulness, in the end, God restores him. God lifts him up again to a place even higher than he had been before. It's interesting because we find this same pattern in the life of Jesus as well. Especially in the way that Paul sums up Jesus' life in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. There, Paul says that, the congregation in Philippi should have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, 
who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, Jesus had this high and lofty position just as Job had at the beginning of his story. I mean, after all, Jesus was God, the Son of God. There is no higher position. But Paul goes on to say that even though he himself was in his very nature God, he didn't consider equality with God something that he had to hold on to. Instead of holding on to it, he did just the opposite. He humbled himself and took on the form of a man, took on the form of a slave, and became obedient to death. Even one of the most shameful deaths that this world has ever known. Death on a cross. And throughout all of His service and sacrifice, throughout His suffering, He endured faithfully. Jesus continued to be righteous, continued to be obedient to His Father. And so Paul says that that death, that suffering, is not the end of the story. He goes on to say, Therefore, because of Jesus' faithfulness, because of His righteous endurance, therefore... God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The pattern that we see in the life of Job of of starting off great and then being humbled and humiliated and suffering but then enduring that faithfully and being exalted once again is magnified in the life of Jesus. That Jesus too was great, but that He suffered, but endured that suffering faithfully. And as a result, God exalted Him to the highest place. I was reading recently a a blog post by William Willimon, who was formerly the chaplain of Duke University. He's a well-known writer and is currently the uh, Bishop of the North Alabama Conference of the United Methodist Church. And in his blog, he was talking about how he was working with a church on his conference, and that this church was having a conflict. They were facing some very serious challenges and having conflict within the congregation, and so he had come to help them work through that. And one of the leaders during this conflict, one of the leaders of the congregation came up to Willimon and said to him, you know, if this were a real church, we wouldn't be having these problems. The implication, of course, being that if they were truly spiritual, if they were truly being faithful to what God wanted them to do, then they wouldn't face any suffering, that they wouldn't have these challenges, that they wouldn't have this conflict within their church. And you know, it's not just that one church leader who has that attitude. I think oftentimes we have that same kind of idea that if we were really being faithful, that we wouldn't have some of the problems that we have. We look at big megachurches and we think, you know, they must be doing everything right. That's why God is having them grow. Or we look at smaller churches and we think they, they must be doing something wrong. And that's why they're, they're small in number. 
Or even we look at individuals and we look at the lives of those who we consider a success and we say, God must have really blessed them. Or we look at those who are struggling and we say, you know, they just really need to get their act together. We make these kind of assumptions all the time, but stories like the story in the book of Job, and even in the life of Jesus Himself, show us that that is a very poor assumption when it comes to the Christian life. Job and Jesus didn't suffer as punishment for their unfaithfulness. They suffered precisely because they were faithful. Job's suffering proved just how faithful he really was. That he wasn't in this. He wasn't serving God just because of what he could get out of it. And Jesus' faithfulness, Jesus' suffering, exposed the unrighteousness of those around him. He suffered precisely because he was being faithful to the mission that his father had given him. And it made the rulers of his day nervous and uncomfortable. His genuine righteousness exposed their poor attempts at righteousness. His real mercy, compassion, and sacrifice exposed their self-centeredness. And his call to a different way of life threatened the foundations of their power in this world. Jesus' radical and yet faithful kingdom proclamation cost him his life. That is the reality of our lives in this world. As Christians, we will sometimes suffer because our beliefs and our values, the values of the kingdom of God, come in conflict with the beliefs and values of our world. And as a church, not everything that we do will always be popular. In fact, if we are speaking boldly and prophetically as we should be and living lives that match that proclamation, then our radically different way of life should shake the very foundations of our society. It should undermine the power structures of our world. It will question the basic assumptions that our culture holds about material possessions and sex and power and what it means to be human. And when we start questioning those kinds of things, we are sure to stir up some trouble. But in the midst of that trouble, we have to know that sometimes we will suffer, not because we are failing to be faithful, but precisely because of our faithfulness. And it is up to us to continue to be faithful even through that suffering. No matter the circumstances, we must continue to be the kind of people that God has called us to be. Of course, we also take courage during those dark and difficult times because we know that our story does not end in darkness. In the end, Job is restored because of his faithfulness. He is given even more than he had before. The text tells us that he died an old man full of days, or it could be translated that he died fully satisfied. In fact, we even get this interesting note there at the very end of the book that Job has three daughters. Daughters 
in addition to his seven sons. But the daughters are named, which is an unusual thing in the Bible. Not nearly as many women are named as there are men. And we find that these three daughters receive an inheritance along with the seven sons. Now, you may not know a whole lot about the inheritance practices of the Old Testament, but it was not common to give daughters an inheritance. It was only common to give it to the sons. And so as we look at this text and we wonder, why in the world would would the author of Job bother to tell us that his three daughters receive an inheritance? It seems that this is a symbol, an indication of just how great Job's wealth had become. That God had blessed him so much that in the end, his wealth was so overflowing that he had so much inheritance to give to his children that he even gave it to his three daughters and not just to his seven sons. That God had blessed him so much that even his daughters received an inheritance. In the end, Job is blessed beyond measure. Though he goes through a dark time, in the end, God is faithful to him. And we find that the same is true in the story of Jesus, that in the end, Jesus is exalted because of his faithfulness. His Father not only raised him to new life, but also exalted him as Lord over everything because of his perfect obedience. And the promise of the Gospel is that that same resurrection life awaits us as well. You know, as I was thinking this morning, as some of you were sharing, that to some degree I had missed the point of this passage. That as I was thinking about this passage of Scripture, all this week I was thinking, you know, the, the message here is that we have to be faithful even through the hard times. That even as we suffer as, as Job did, or if we suffer as Jesus did, that whatever we face, we have to be faithful. And I think that's true. But I think in some ways, maybe I missed the point. That the good news is that in the suffering, God is faithful. That yes, He he calls us to a life of faithfulness and obedience, and, and He will bless us if we are faithful. But the thing that carries us through is that God is faithful. That God is always there with us. Always present. There's no suffering that scares Him. No suffering that He's not willing to endure with us. And so whatever challenge we face, whatever it is that we've been called to endure, whatever cross we've been called to carry, God is there carrying that cross along with us. Our hope as Christians is that there is a kingdom on its way. A kingdom that in some ways is already here. And in this kingdom, our faithful obedience will be rewarded. This morning we're going to partake of communion. And as we partake of our Lord's meal, I ask that we would remember two things. 
First, that this meal represents the death of our Lord. It is His broken body and spilled blood. And as ones who come to this table and call Him Lord, call one Lord who was crucified and broken and buried, we must realize that in this life, we can expect no difference. That as long as we call ourselves His followers, then we too must be broken and poured out. But the second thing that we must remember is that the brokenness of being poured out for others is not the end of the story. That just as God exalted Job because of His faithfulness, just as God exalted Jesus because of His faithfulness, so God will exalt us for our faithfulness. It may not happen in this life like it did for Job, but all of us look forward to that day of resurrection, that day of new creation, that day when we will eat this meal, as the wedding banquet of the Lamb when God's kingdom will finally have come. And so as we come to this table this morning, let us remember that we are a people called to be broken and poured out, but that there is a kingdom in which God will exalt us and lift us up. The end of the story for all of us who believe is not suffering. It is exaltation. It is glorification. It is healing and being made whole in the kingdom of God. Because the God that we serve is faithful. And He will carry us through to the end. My brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the body of Christ broken for you. May our Lord's brokenness sustain you through your own brokenness and suffering until the day when His kingdom comes in its fullness. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. May the pouring out of our Savior's blood sustain you in the hope of the eternal life that is to come. I invite you to come forward this morning. The ushers will dismiss you a few at a time to come and partake. May our God, who is faithful in all things, sustain you in His faithfulness so that you might become a faithful image of His righteous and obedient Son by the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.